today on Ag News Daily. You know, one of the things that we want to do is, is recognize the value of the many organizations in the mental health space who have done amazing work for years. Listeners, welcome back to the Ag News Daily Podcast, May 4th. Ooh, this is, what is that? Star, I'm going to really get listeners mad at me now, Delaney. Star Wars or is it Star Trek? May the 4th be with you. It's Star Wars, isn't it? I do not know the answer to that. Oh, you don't know either. Ooh, we are not going to win any fans over today because this is like a national holiday for uh, big fans of that theory of that series. Well, Corey Hillebo, good friend of the podcast, might know because I saw he had a tweet about it this morning. So you can ask him. Ah, I should. I should. But listeners, thanks for listening to us. We're going to hit you with some headlines here and then another great conversation to share with you today. Uh, I think we're focusing on like you announced at the beginning of the week, this is mental health week, correct, Delaney? That is correct. So that'll be uh, good for all of us to get a little refresher on what's available and how to take care of ourselves. But listeners, if you are in East Central Missouri, West Central Illinois, you're still experiencing some flooding due to the high levels of the Mississippi River. But now we've got some storms that are expected to fire up late this evening in that area as well, which could lead to uh, additional water hazards. So keep an eye on that, too. You push up north, Delaney, uh, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, and they're back in another frost advisory. That's not good for some of our listeners in that area, as I know there's quite a few orchards and vineyards uh, pushing up into that northern territory. Overnight temps may fall as low as 33 degrees, putting some frost formation in the forecast. But then uh, our listeners, again, in the south are experiencing a little bit of wind still. So ultimately, it looks like we're back to a wide range of weather throughout our listeners region. Absolutely. And I think today here in central Iowa, I saw temperatures are going to be in the 80s. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, we we uh, skipped right over spring. We had one day of spring yesterday, and uh, now we're going to go straight to summer. It sounds that way, but we got word yesterday, Tanner, that the Fed has once again raised interest rates, which I don't think is coming as any huge surprise to our listeners as we saw the Federal Reserve raise interest by just a quarter of a point. However, the longer term sentiment here, Tanner, is that they signaled they may pause further increases due to recent bank failures were what they cited, as well as the looming debt ceiling. The Fed also added it was too early to talk about lowering rates, but signaled, like I said, they may just pause them here as is. But ultimately, uh, inflation numbers, the core CPI, employment, and the overall health of the economy will be the biggest indicators they'll be watching here for 2023 to decide what to do next. Yeah, just to clarify, it went up a quarter of a percent, so 25 points, um, not Thank that you. of a, a quarter of a point. Yes, so we're, we're still looking... Misspoke. Nope, that's it'll be just fine, but we're going to continue to watch to see how this has effect on markets. Like you said, though, they're going to pay really close attention because the next meeting is right away in June. We had a two-month gap between the last hike and this one. So that is a much quicker period in which if things don't turn around, like you said, we may be finally at a stabilization point. The Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell warned, obviously, about the banks, but there's even more headwinds that they're keeping their eye on watching up 
what businesses and home markets are going to dictate as well. So they'll continue to monitor that and try to push inflation back to their target of 2%. But let's hit a little high or hit our ethanol highlight for the week. Ethanol production rose week to week while the inventories dropped. So we continue to see demand pushing production of ethanol. Output rose to an average of 976,000 barrels per day. That's up from 967,000 barrels per day last week. Midwest continues to be the largest producer of ethanol there. The ethanol inventories, like we said, plunged to 23.363 million barrels. That's down from 24.306 last week. And if you look at this, Delaney, that's the lowest level in for a seven-day period since December 2nd. So we're looking at uh, over five-month low as those inventories have really taken a hit due to a little bit of increased consumer demand. And that might be policy-related, Delaney. Yeah, it certainly sounds like that uh, is likely the case, Tanner. I've got some policy news here as we dig into that a little bit, but the Biden administration has pledged to continue to fight climate change and provide climate friendly farming funds. That's a mouthful for farmers. The Biden administration has continued and will continue to defend funding for the climate smart farming in the $430 billion U.S. Inflation Reduction Act. They said Republican lawmakers are continuing to seek to cut it and are wanting to allocate that money elsewhere. And this has been going on here, especially as we dig into the farm bill debate, according to officials close to the White House on Tuesday. The Inflation Reduction Act, which aims to cut emissions across the U.S. economy, includes $20 billion to support farming, uh, farmer Farmers implementing practices such as carbon sequestration, conservation, and other climate smart programs on their farmland. But as negotiations begin for this next farm bill, which funds farm commodity conservation and nutrition programs, a lot of Republicans have raised concerns about how the IRA funds would be spent compared to those dollars allocated in the farm bill. And if it's actually redundant and there's going to be a lot of overlap there and unnecessary spending. So we'll have to dig into that one a little bit more. That might be a good one to have a, an interview conversation about Tanner, because I think that's a little past my pay grade. Yeah, it does feel like there's going to be some overlap. So getting some clarity would be, really good for us. We did get April's Purdue Ag Economic Barometer report, and we are up six points to a score of 123. So that's a positive move there coming out of the Department of Ag Economics at Purdue. When producers look at one year ahead, the majority of the reason the six points went up was the answer to interest rate question that farmers right now are expecting their interest rate outlook a year from now to be better than where it is currently. 34% of the survey respondents expected the U.S. prime rate that we just discussed to remain unchanged from this part or possibly be declined at this time next year. So it's interesting there, though, that a majority, however, of producers are still expecting 2023 to be not nearly as profitable of 2022. And the other question that the survey asked Delaney that I thought was kind of neat is, is now a bad time to make a large investment? So the respondents there came back stating that there were four 
key reasons why they are maybe holding back on making a large investment. The first is uncertainty about farm profitability, just like we discussed. Rising interest rates was number two. Inventory being low was the last answer, but the one that had the largest response to Lenny was the increase in price for that farm machinery and construction materials. So they're definitely farmers are keeping an eye on what things are costing, not that they don't have the cash or the financing available to do so, but making a decision right now that it might not be the best opportunity for them. So 123 is considered a high score for the short term, but it ranks lower than a year ago. The number was 144 and in 2021 was 159. So even though we made a positive gain month over month, we are sentiment for farmers is still down over the last two years. Yeah. And obviously, like you mentioned, their cost and uh, input costs, equipment costs, all those things get weighed heavily in those barometers. But for the first time since September of 2021, Tanner, urea fertilizer prices have dropped below $600 per ton. This is a huge move here as we've seen higher fertilizer prices over the last few years. And as we look at the last week of April of 2023, most of the average fertilizer prices continued their downward trend. Prices for seven of the eight major fertilizers were lower last month, were lower in the month of April, I should say, compared to the month of March. And again, that's anything more than a 5% move lower. But like I said, urea was the big winner here, clocking in at $595 per ton. The first time we've seen these levels since September of 2021. So again, I think we're it's safer to say that we're starting to see things really start to even out, level out here in the uh, fertilizer market. And hopefully that trend continues. Yeah, that is certainly positive news. We're also taking an eye on the livestock profit tracker today. In the face of tightening supplies, we saw a rally in wholesale beef prices, but for the third consecutive week, we've seen cash cattle prices slide lower. So the average price last week dropped to 178.05, down $1.82. Wholesale beef prices moved up for the sixth consecutive week to 306.67 per hundred weight. The average cattle feeding margin fell $24 ahead last week for profit of 370 on average. Beef packers, meanwhile, found their first profits in a while at $63 per head. That was a $62 gain per head from the previous week. So they're basically at break even last week. However, this is significantly lower than a year ago where packers were making $180 per carcass. Pork packers are finding profits at $2.50 a head. That's down $6 from the previous week at $8.50. It's also down from last year where packers were making $20 per head. However, after a couple of conversations here locally with pork producers, uh, I think we can corroborate the article here that says uh, farrow to finish hog producers are still seeing losses of $24 a head, about $7 a head less than the previous week, but still below break even. When you look at last year, producers were seeing $73 per head gains. So unfortunately, still tight in the pork market as far as that goes. Pork packer capacity is about 88%. So we're still running a lot of animals through, but the profit margin just isn't there. So a quick little update for our listeners there.
Yeah. And that's an, a good segue here, Tanner, to an interesting piece of news that I had. Uh, CoBank on a recent webinar here featured meat and research experts, Sir Canna Inc., which I'm not familiar with, but they're a research entity here, third party research entity. And they recently did a study to highlight meat consumption across the U.S. And a couple of interesting headlines here, Tanner, because they took into account what different they did it by a state by state basis, which I thought was really kind of interesting looking at specifically what states are willing to try different products. And so they they highlighted a variety of different cuts, but also a variety of different types of protein. And so what they're study reflected was that as we start to see groceries and inflation continuing to push higher, consumers are much less willing at the grocery store to buy higher quality cuts of meat, such as beef, steak, etc. The main researcher here noted that consumers are still looking for a variety of different meat sources and different meat cuts and different meat cuts. But when at the meat department or at the wholesale there, consumers have been buying less fresh meat by the volume. She said specifically 91% of shoppers said the cost of groceries is much higher than a year ago, and that has really impacted their buying habits. 24% also claimed to buy less meat and poultry altogether due to higher costs. And she said that while meat options show a decrease in volume to start 2023 chicken has declined the least as that has been the most value friendly option for consumers at the grocery store she said don't fret though this is just the first quarter and she thinks that meat consumption will reattract will reattract consumers here toward the remainder of the year especially as we see baby boomers millennials and generation z those generations have really um highlighted through this study that they value having a high quality protein. And that is usually something that they're willing to skimp or uh, not to skimp on when they're at the grocery store, Tanner. Yeah, that's right. And uh, again, that's probably also an index the Fed's going to watch before they make their decision next month as well. Last I've got is just some Russian and Ukrainian headlines. Right now, there are unsubstantiated, unsubstantiated claims that the United States was behind a drone attack on the Kremlin last night and an assassination attempt on President Vladimir Putin. Of course, Washington is denying these allegations. So is the Ukrainian defenses. But meanwhile, Kiev's military chief says that uh, their air defenses repelled another wave of Russia's most intense attacks on their capital overnight last night. President Zelensky says that Putin deserves to be sentenced for the Moscow invasion during a speech that he had uh, at the ICC headquarters in the Netherlands. And again, uh, we're gonna continue to look at the Russian investigation of their probe into the fires at their oil facilities that they're accusing Ukraine of putting targeted attacks on. So we'll continue to keep an eye on those headlines for our listeners, Delaney. But that's what I've got for headlines today. Are you out too? I am out as well, Tanner, aside from taking a look at where the markets traded here in the overnight. Certainly pushed old things lower here as we uh, saw Federal Reserve numbers, which will also impact the dollar and therefore export numbers. 
July old crop corn here traded six cents lower in the overnight will open at 582 and a half. New crop corn shed five pennies. We'll clock in this morning at 525 and a half. July soybeans also shed five pennies in the overnight will open at 1412 and a half. New crop soybeans down seven cents to open at 1265 and a quarter. July hard red winter wheat shed nine cents to open at 776. And as we hop over into the livestock markets here today, quick reminder at where they closed yesterday. June live cattle shed $1.25 to close at $61.65. August feeder cattle will clock in today at $223.52 and a half. And June lean hogs shed $1.95 yesterday to open today at $88 on the nose. Tanner, because this is Mental Health Week, we are chatting today with Chuck Strand of Rural Minds about their new Mental Health for Rural Caregivers seminar that they are kicking off here in just about a week. So let's turn over to that conversation. Mental Health Awareness Month, we thought it would be great to bring back Rural Minds, but this time we have the Executive Director, Chuck Strand, with us. How are you doing this morning, Chuck? I'm doing very well, Jennifer. Thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Absolutely. We are super excited to have you back on. And for our listeners who aren't aware entirely, can we get a recap of what exactly Rural Minds is and everything that they do? Yes, uh, Rural Minds is a nonprofit that's focused specifically on the mental health challenges of rural communities throughout America. And our, our mission is to serve as the informed voice for mental health in rural America and to provide mental health information and services. Absolutely. And that is an amazing focus um, that needs to be talked on more often as we are moving forward throughout the coming ages. And you actually have an amazing opportunity for different subjects within this area to be discussed this upcoming Wednesday on May 10th, um, a webinar series. What is that going to look like, Chuck? Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to this uh, webinar. It's on, as you mentioned, May 10th, a week from, uh, you know, well, May 10th, Wednesday. And uh, we are partnering with the National Grange to present another webinar in our series, which is the um, Connections, uh, Rural Minds Connections webinar series. And we are going to be shining the light on the challenges that are faced by rural mental health caregivers. And these are the folks that are providing care for a loved one that's struggling with a mental illness or mental health condition. And um, just really kind of touching on the fact that, um, you know, these people often feel isolated and and alone because they are focusing on caring for somebody that needs their attention, but also they need to provide themselves with self-care. And it's one of the uh, nuances of, of um, the mental health struggles that are prevalent throughout rural America and extend into other parts of the country also. Most definitely, that is a topic that I think is kind of left in the dark every once in a while. And I am so excited to hear that Rural Minds and National Grange are able to come together to bring more light on this area. So during the webinar series, are you going to have any guest speakers or what exactly are the exact topics of how you're going to dive into learning about the caregivers within rural areas? Well, we recognize that the value of people sharing personal lived experiences of the the um, mental health challenges that they have in rural communities. So we're very excited to have two 
excellent speakers who are going to be guests on this webinar. It'll be professionally moderated by Rural Minds uh, Vice President of Communications, Julie Lux, and welcoming the two guests, uh, one of whom is, is uh, Travis Carlson. He's a writer and a filmmaker, um, and he actually wrote and directed a film called Mother's Day, and it's it's really a uh, the story of his personal life experience of being a caregiver for his mother who struggles with mental illness in a rural community. And um, Mother's Day, the film, um, has won several awards. It's an independent film, and it, it was uh, filmed in one shot, which means that it was uh, just in real time throughout the day. And so it's it's uh, very well done, and it really provides um, an interesting window into the life of a caregiver and some of the challenges that face people that are struggling with mental illness. We have is Brittany Henry, and Brittany is a mental health caregiver and a mental health advocate. Um, her professional life, she's a communications and marketing professional, and she had left her family farm, uh, which uh, it was it was in Iowa and was in the family for 130 years. And she had uh, a successful career and, and uh, in, in order to care for her, her father who uh, struggles with dementia, um, she left her job in, in Seattle, moved back to the farm and, um, you know, had to make some really tough trade-offs in terms of, of uh, um, working to manage the uh, struggles that her father was facing with dementia. While, of course, as I mentioned before, trying to um, provide the self-care that somebody needs when they're not only a caregiver, but also face the added struggle or challenge of being in an isolated location, such as a, a rural community, especially on a, on a farm. So we're very grateful to Travis and Brittany for um, joining us on the webinar and, and sharing their stories and, um, you know, and for Travis to uh, show some of the the, uh, the segments of the, of the film Mother's Day, which also there's a, a clip, like a movie trailer on our website when people come to register to the webinar. Uh, and the, the, the webinar registration is, is free, but um, does require a, uh, a registration and which can be found on our website, which is uh, ruralminds.org. Those sound like two amazing speakers that will be very educational throughout their stories to share for those able to attend the webinar. And I'm sure there are many people who are interested in attending but may not be able to. Are there any other great resources that they could go to to learn about these topics as well? Yes, um, and specific to the webinar, all of our webinars are recorded and archived on our website. And um, to make it really easy for people to access specific content, we have everything time-coded. So for each, each webinar, we have an agenda, the, the main points that were covered throughout the presentation. All of the webinars are just one hour, 60 minutes. And um, by looking at the agenda for each recorded webinar and the time code, uh, people are able to jump to whatever content it, uh, they might be, you know, want to focus on. But uh, the entire webinars are available on, on the website, which again is uh, Rural Minds. That's R-U-R-A-L-M-I-N-D-S, ruralminds.org. And um, so, yeah, in addition to the webinar content that's, uh, you know, recorded and, and, and archived, we have a lot of other resources on our web, uh, our website. And we, you know, one of the things that we want to do is, is recognize the value of the many organizations in the mental health space who have, have done amazing work for years. We are relatively new, well, very new, actually, less than two years into this space and have a lot of respect for the, uh, the great work and, and valuable resources that have been developed by 
NAMI, Mental Health America, Depression Bipolar Support Alliance, and, and others. And um, we have on our website a um, somewhat of like a portal in terms of, of providing easy access to comprehensive mental health resources that are available through all these organizations. So again, through our website, uh, people can access mental health resources specific to a crisis situation. But the, the main thing to remember in the crisis situation is a new three-digit code 988, which is similar to 911, but it's specific to providing people anywhere in the country, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with access to a mental health counselor, a professional who can address not only somebody who might be in crisis themselves, or someone that is not in crisis, but really wants to have a question answered or um, is concerned about a loved one. So that, that three-digit code again is 988. And that was launched not even a year ago. Last July, the um, um, government came out with that, that new three-digit code. But in addition to crisis resources on the Rural Minds website, we also have mental health resources, which are just a, a listing of, of, again, all free information, free resources, from the various organizations that have information and content and educational materials that are um, helpful for people in different situations of their pursuit of information for um, mental health. And those, those resources are organized by topic. They're also organized alphabetically. So we really do want to provide um, that uh, access to easy, um, you know, information that that can be very helpful for people and it's all out there there's there's a lot of great information so we're very pleased to be partnering with so many organizations and, and very grateful for um being able to share all that information definitely and today you've had the amazing opportunity to share all about the upcoming webinar as well as different resources that um, consumers can find on your website what other important information do you believe it would be great to share for everybody right now based on either the webinar or just this important topic in general? Yeah, I think it's important to recognize the, the, the sad reality and, and that there is truly isn't a mental health emergency in rural America. And due to um, specific challenges that are barriers for receiving mental health services or treatment, in addition to um, some of the lifestyle uh, challenges that are inherent in, in living in a, a rural community, um, the, uh, the the facts are, uh, as I mentioned, very concerning because the, the latest information from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, also known as the CDC, note that people who live in a rural community are 64 to 68% more likely to die by suicide than those people who are living in large urban areas. And, um, there are 46 million people in rural America, and that's about 14% of the population. And um, those folks are, they have higher rates of depression in addition to higher rates of suicide, but they're less likely to access the mental health care services that we mentioned. So um, it's so important that we recognize that there are unique challenges to um, rural communities specific to accessing mental health services. And that's really the role that that Rural Minds wants to play to to recognize the great resources that are out there, but also to recognize that there is this gap in um, really addressing what's out uh, what we have to, uh, to to work with in terms of of the challenges and the um, um, the, the facts in terms of the higher incidence of of rural mental illness and mental health challenges, and just address that in a way that's culturally competent 
and graceful and um, really meeting people where they're at in terms of providing the, the type of information they want and need and um, um, working with partners to, to um, make an impact. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today, Chuck. We really appreciate it. And I hope some listeners are able to go to your website and sign up to join the webinar on Wednesday next week. Thanks so much, Jennifer. And again, that uh, URL, the website address to uh, register for free is www.ruralminds.org. Thanks so much. There you go, listeners. It's never an easy topic to discuss, but it's always important to keep at the front of our minds. Just a reminder that nobody's alone, even if you feel that way. Don't be afraid to reach out to us. We love connecting with our listeners and uh, we're always here to be someone to chat with. Delaney, I'm looking forward to a fun Friday episode tomorrow. So what do you say? Should we let them go for today? Let's let them go.